Good morning. How's everybody? Happy soggy Mother's Day. How many moms do we have here this morning? If you can and you don't care to, would you stand up for a second? All right, how about a round of applause? Thank you so much. Being a mom is a hard job. It's a hard job. And and we appreciate our godly moms. You know what else is a hard job? Trying to figure out what to do or what to give moms on Mother's Day to celebrate Mother's Day appropriately. Anybody else here struggle with trying to figure out the best thing to give, the best thing to do? I I got a couple of nods. Okay, so I thought, see, I, I ran across a... Uh, an instructional video for how to you know, do Mom's Day right. And I thought since it was helpful to me, maybe I could show it to you guys this morning more or less as a public service announcement. So let's give it a shot. It's Mother's Day. So here's a step-by-step guide on how to make all those Proverbs 31 ladies feel great on their special day. Step one, locate some beautiful flowers. Moms love saving money, so try to find some free ones. Step two, get the flowers and the water as quick as you can. Can't have them die on ya. Step three, find some more beautiful flowers, but this time let the scissors do all the work. Step four, find a bow or something to jazz things up a bit. Remember, people, it's all about the details. Step five, enlist your baby sister to help you make a thoughtful Mother's Day card. I knew you couldn't be trusted. Step six, if you have another sister waiting in the bullpen, grab her instead. Preferably one that appreciates the delicate art of watercoloring. You have a gift. Thank you. That helpful and informative. I hope maybe it helped some of you guys. And by the way, I'm not sure if they are amateur or professionally put together, but we've got some flowers out at the Welcome Center after church. Any mom is welcome to grab a flower just as a recognition again. We appreciate godly moms. They make all the difference. So we are starting a brand new series of lessons today. And the title of this series is, Why Church? Why Church? That's an interesting question, right? It's not a new question, though. I I became a Christian back in 1979. So I think that's, what, 42 years? If my math is good, where's Coral? 
Is that 42? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. 42 years. I remember hearing that question in one version or another, one form or another, whenever I was in high school. And from, from critics, and also it's not just the non-believers that are asking why church. It's actually a question that you'll have, you hear being asked by Christians quite often. In fact, I've got some, some statistics. I think you've seen one of them pop up a few times. Let's go over them real quick just to kind of show you what's going on out there. Back in 2018 to 2019, Pew Research Center did a, a survey, and they said that 65% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. Sounds pretty good, right? 65%? Except that it's actually down by about 12% over the last decade. So there's getting to be fewer and fewer people in our nation that claim to be Christians. That may be a good thing, that may be a bad thing. I'm not sure which way that's actually going. But I found this interesting. Only 24% of those who claim to be Christians actually go to church weekly. So we've got 67% of the people who live in this nation identify, self-identify as Christians, and only 24% of them go to church every week. Uh, 37% of those say, I don't go to church because I practice my faith in other ways. And I thought this the last one was interesting. 35% of millennials think that the church, going to church, does more harm than good. It's an interesting statistics, right? I don't know what these numbers say to you, but one of the things that it says to me is people are asking this question. They're asking the question, why church? Maybe now more than ever, all these statistics came prior to COVID. How many of you have had a conversation with someone that during this COVID time, whenever churches were shut down and we were doing remote things, uh, Christians became more disconnected? And some of them have elected to not come to church anymore. They've decided it just it's not worth it. They started asking why church, and they answered, I don't guess I really need it. A lot of people that I've run into haven't given up on church, but they want to find another church. They want to find a different church. I've walked into a few of those. The point I'm getting at is, I think this is a timely series for us to be looking at this question, why church? Because a lot of people are asking why church? And they're not all unbelievers. A lot of Christians are wondering, why? Why go to church? If someone asked you, why, why church? What might you say to them? Would you know what to say to them? Have you ever been the one who asked? Or maybe you are the one who's asking, why church? It's not a bad question. It's not a question that only bad people ask. It's a good question, and there are good answers. It's a relevant question. Are there any good reasons for going to church? Are there any benefits? I believe the answer to both of those is yes, obviously. That's kind of what I'm I'm here to do. Uh, But I want to, and the series that we're going to go through, we're going to take about five weeks to explore why church and look at some of those benefits, some of those reasons but I want to throw out a little bit of a disclaimer, uh, full transparency, spoiler alert. This series isn't going to be a push for greater church attendance. 
See, I don't think uh, that our big problem or the big answer is church attendance. I think as we get to looking at the why church question, we're going to find out that there's actually something deeper, something bigger and something better than church attendance. And I'm hoping that as we go through this, that something bigger will start to come into view for us. But first, before we dig into all this, we need to make sure we're talking about the same thing. We need to make sure that we're talking about church like the Bible talks about church and that we identify it rightly. So let's start with what the Bible says church is, and then we'll get into the whys. Sound fair? Okay, so in your notes, the first thing I've got there is the question with a big blank out beside it. Why church? Or I'm sorry, what is a church? What is a church? I like where you're going. I like where you're going. Hang on a second, because I want to, I want to try to give you some things to think about as you look at how you would answer that. But if you had an answer that jumped to your mind, scribble it off to the side, hold on to it for a second, because I want you to examine it and see if you're close to what I was thinking. Let's see. First of all, let's look at what a church is not. Makes sense? Sometimes the best way to identify something is look at what it isn't. What a church is not, it's not, according to the Bible anyway, it's not an institution. Have you heard people call the church an institution? Have you heard people call marriage an institution? Groucho Marx once said, marriage is a wonderful institution, but who wants to live in an institution? Those of us that are married probably don't really look at our marriages as an institution. It's something a little bit bigger than that, right? And so is the church. It's not an institution. It's also not a building. Now, the way we talk about a church sometimes makes you think it's a building or maybe an event. I'm going to go to church. Meet me at the church. We, we use that language that way. But the church is not a place that I go to or an event that I attend. And it's not an institution. So what is the church? The church is a spiritual family I belong to. You said people. We're on the same wavelength, I think. The church is a spiritual family that I belong to. Let's take a look at the description of the first church. You'll find it in in Acts chapter 2. Verses 41 through 42, and we'll jump over to verse 46. And in your notes, what I'd like for you to do, if you've got a pencil handy, because we're going to try to get a biblical definition of a church here. If you've got a pencil handy, I'd like for you to circle certain words, because they're going to help us get a biblical definition. You ready? Let's read through this. It says in Acts 2, 41, 42, and verse 46, it says, Those who believed, you might want to circle believed. Those who believed were baptized. You might want to circle baptized. And they were added to the church. They were added to the church. When they believed and they were baptized, they didn't join. They were added. That's something that God did, right? So circle that. They joined. They joined something, yes. (laughs) Circle joined with the other believers. Maybe draw a circle around other believers. And then what they do? They committed themselves. You might want to circle committed themselves. To what? To the apostles' teaching. You might want to circle apostles' teaching. And to 
the fellowship. You might want to circle to the fellowship. They worshipped together when they felt like it. (laughs) It says they worshipped together regularly. You might want to circle worshipped together regularly. Where did they do that? They did it at the temple courts and they met in small groups and homes. You might want to circle small groups and homes. Why did they do that? For communion. You might want to circle communion. And shared meals. I want to circle shared meals. And they did all this with great joy and thankfulness. Okay, so everybody with me? So I've got another little definition down there in your notes with some blanks. We're going to use this passage we just read and some of those things that we just circled and see if we can make a coherent sentence that will describe what the church is. We've talked about what it isn't, so let's talk about what it is. Jesus' church is a group of baptized believers, yes, who've done what? Joined together. They've joined together. Am I making it up or did I get it out of the verse? They joined together in a commitment to do what? Help each other in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. Jesus' church is a group of baptized believers who join together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. Does that sound like something bigger than attending a weekly service to you? Yeah, it does to me too. See, here's what I think the big thing is that is bigger than attendance. I think that Jesus doesn't want you to attend His church. I think He wants you to belong to it. See, there's something bigger than than church attendance. There's belonging to it. Frankly, not everybody who attends a church belongs. And you're missing something. You're missing something. See, when you just attend a church, you're always a little bit on the outside. You ever been there? Where you attended and you, you feel a little bit like an outsider? Yeah. And, and it doesn't really feel great, does it? Unless you like the option of leaving when you want to. It doesn't really feel good. See, what happens whenever, you're, whenever you just attend a church? You're a spectator. You never really feel at home. And you never really are at home. Why? Because you don't really share any of the responsibilities. You don't share the identity. You don't really share the purpose of the church. It makes you more of a consumer than a contributor. See, attending isn't our goal. Belonging is. And whenever you're attending and you're more of a spectator, more of a consumer, it's easy to be critical. It's easy to be lonely. It's easy not to show up. And it's easy to look for something or somewhere that you like better. Anybody been here? I've been there. I've been this attender. Maybe some of you guys this morning are too. I want you to know I found that there's something better than attending. There's belonging. And it's better in every way. 
When you belong to a church, it's just the opposite of being an attender. Instead of being an outsider, you become an insider. You're at home. I feel at home here this morning. Does that mean I think this is a perfect church? (laughs) Nope. Ain't a perfect church. It lost that title when I joined. (laughs) It's not a perfect church, but I feel at home. Whenever you belong, you do feel at home. You are at home. And you share the responsibility. You share the responsibility of the church. And with that comes sharing the identity of that church and the purposes of the church. You do all that because really what we're talking about here is being part of a family. That's how the Bible describes the church. It's the family. And when it's family, you won't jump ship when there's a problem. You'll jump in and you'll try to help. How many of us have have had to make the decision, I'm not going to abandon this place because there's problems? Well, yeah, if you're still here... There are problems and you must not have decided to to abandon them. But if you belong, you work to try to help with those problems. You don't get discouraged and look to quit, look to find something or someone else that's better, someplace else that's better. And whenever all that's there, do you think that attendance is a problem for belongers? No. Because if you can be there, you want to be there. It's just natural. Bob... Do you guys have to work harder now to come to church to be with us than ever before? You don't have it's not harder? See, that surprises me because I know that you deal with some things. I know it takes effort. Why is it not harder though? You're a belonger, aren't you? So where else would you want to be? The people in my small group talk this way too. Wherever you belong, it's not a chore. So, let's get into this real quick. And I'm going to move through these kind of quickly so I don't keep you here all morning. Why is it so important to Jesus that you belong to his church? We've already, I think, established, loosely at least, that Jesus doesn't want you to attend his church. He wants you to belong to it. Why is it so important that Jesus wants you to belong to his church? Well, let's go through a few reasons. The first one is, Jesus' church is God's family. How do we know that? Well, Peter talks about that. First Peter 3 he says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. Paul said in Timothy, 1 Timothy that that family is the church of the living God. Jesus' church is God's family. Ephesians 1.5 says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Second reason. God's family is the reason he created the universe. Have you ever thought about that? The whole reason for the physical world that we know was his church. Ephesians 1.4, Paul said long ago, even before he made the world... God chose us to be His very own through what Christ would do for us. See, the church family was always God's plan. I don't always think like that, but isn't that what that verse is teaching us? 
Why is it so important to Jesus that you belong to his church? It was always God's plan. It's his reason for creating the entire universe. Number three, God is using his church for his eternal purpose. God's got a a purpose. It's an eternal purpose. It's a big purpose. It's why the church was always a part of his plan. And God is using the church for his eternal purpose. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 3. He said, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is a pretty big deal, isn't it? He said, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The 37% in that survey that say, I practice my faith in other ways, at the very least, I think we would have to acknowledge that they're doing, they're following a different plan than God's plan. So are people who settle for just attending. It's important that we belong, not just attend, because God's got a purpose and a plan. Number four, why is it so important for us to belong? Because Jesus died for his church. This wasn't his plan B. This wasn't something he threw together at the last minute. He is so committed to his church that he died for it. Ephesians 5, 25 and verse 27 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 27, he died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fault. Jesus died so that you could belong to his church family. He wants you not just to attend, he wants you to belong. He died so that you could belong, so that I could belong. See, Christianity is about being like Jesus, right? And that's, we are, all throughout scripture, we're told that we are to become like Jesus. That's supposed to be the intent. That's what it means to be a Christian, is one who's becoming like Jesus. If Jesus loved the church so much that he died for it, and you're becoming like him, how do you feel about the church? If you love him, and you're becoming like him, chances are you're going to be a belonger. And when you belong, you'll be willing to die for it and make lots of sacrifices along the way for it. So occasionally I get hit with this question. I hate the question because it's just the nature of it. But people will ask, well, will I go to hell if I don't go to church? Anybody ever ask you that question? I'd love to hear your answers because it might be better than the one I've been using. (laughs) But the truth is I'm not sure... I can say whether you're going to go to hell or not. And I don't really believe that whenever God makes that decision, He's going to ask my opinion. I really don't. I don't know if I can say if you can go to heaven or go to hell based on whether or not you go to church or not. But I would say this. If all you care about is not going to hell, do you really love God? Because what he thinks, what he feels, what he wants, what he did, so you can belong to a church doesn't seem to be a part of that equation. 
if all I care about is whether or not I get to go to heaven or hell? Maybe the better question would be this. Can I go to heaven if I don't really love God? Can I go to heaven if I don't really love God? Maybe add to it, would you really want to go to heaven if you don't love God? Jesus wants you to do more than attend. He wants you to belong. He loved the church enough to die for it. He was right to do that. If you think like Him and you become like Him, you'll feel that way too. Number five. Why is it so important that we belong? It's the only group with the power to change the world. The church is... Jesus' church is the only, that biblically defined church, is the only group in the world that has the power to change the world. Ephesians 3.20, Paul said, By His mighty power at work within us, God's able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or to hope. Anybody here frustrated with the way the world is? Anybody here really think government's the answer? And I'm all for the power of one light in a dark place and the power of one and all those catchy phrases. But this says us. And the power that's available in the church, through the church, is able to do more than we could imagine, more than we could ask. Number six, the greatest privilege in life is to belong to God's church. It's a privilege. And it's the greatest privilege that you'll ever get a shot at. That's so much better than just attending. 1 Peter 4.16, Peter said, Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. It's getting more and more hostile towards Christians in our country. Back whenever I was a kid growing up, people claimed to be Christian because that meant I'm not Buddhist, I'm not atheist, I'm not you know one of the other things. But there was a respect that I found whenever I claimed Christ, whenever I said, I'm going to follow Him, people thought I was stupid because I was making life hard on myself, they thought. But they respected it. These days, not so much. Not so much. But it's a privilege. They've got it wrong. It's not a slur to be a Christian. It's a privilege to belong to His church. Uh, Did I give these verses yet? 4.16. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.3. Peter also said there, God has given us the privilege of being born again. Starting all over. Being made different. Born again so that we are now members of God's own family. Anybody here ever wanted to be a member of somebody rich's family? <laughs> you know, I can remember a few times, man, dad didn't get me the pony again. I wish I lived over there with those people. Uh, there are some people in this world that are part of a family and they don't have to work. They don't have to, it doesn't seem like, they have to worry about anything. They've got power, they've got privilege. When you belong to God's church, you've got a Father in Heaven who owns all that stuff. There is, it's a privilege to belong to God's church. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul said, Don't you realize that all of you together, if you got that pencil still handy, you might want to circle together. 
all of you together. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? Plural to singular. All of us together are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you. What we're doing here this morning when we come together, when we join together with other believers, like that description we found in Acts, God's with us. And we together form the temple. Now, in our society, most of us don't go to temples. Anybody go to a temple? Even can point one out? I mean, the only one that I know of is, the only one that I know of is the Mormon temple over in, in St. Louis. They put up a few years back. Do you know what the, the function of a temple is for? See, in Paul's day, you wouldn't even have to cover this because they had temples everywhere. You could throw a rock and hit four of them. There were temples everywhere. They were very common with it. So when he talks about us being a temple, they were inside on that. They, They knew what that was. But we don't think of temples too often today. So we need to think about this for a second because we are God's temple together. A temple represents God on earth. Now, there were false gods that had temples. And inside them, they had idols. They had statues, carvings. Sometimes they were huge. And they were supposed to give you an idea of what reality really is. And you would look at this big statue and go, that's who's in charge. There was a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes a long time ago, in between the the Old Testament and the New Testament, who decided to see what the big fuss was about the temple in Jerusalem. So he barges in, and he is shocked. Even horrified. You know why? No statue. No idol. No image of the God. In fact, he walked out and said, these people are atheists. And that was the, that was the reputation that the Jewish culture and later Christians had in the beginning. They're atheists. Why? Because their temple doesn't even have a statue. You know why the temple didn't have a statue? Because we're the statue. We're the image of God. We're the ones made in His image. And the, temp, the temple that Paul is talking about that we together form still has the same function and purpose in the macro sense as the temple did that they were aware of and familiar with. We represent God on earth. It's the place where people can go to find God, to get a taste of what it's like when God is in charge. It's a picture of true reality. Not the reality that the world tries to sell us all the time. Is it a privilege to be a part of that? Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. It is. I'm not going to take away from that. But what a privilege. You know, I don't... Okay, I'm not crazy about Joe Biden. I'm not trying to make a political statement. But the man is the president of the United States. If he called me up and said, I need you for a particular job, you think I wouldn't be flattered? If it was a godly job, do you think I'd say no? I'd be like, this is a privilege. How much more so to serve the God of heaven? To belong to his plan, to belong to his family, to get to wear his name, to get to be a part of what he's doing here on earth. Jesus called us to be salt and light. He expects us to make a difference in this world. Because when you boil it down, salt and light have an impact on the environment that they're placed in, don't they? And together we do. 
together we have God's power inside us, power to do more than we can ask or imagine, power to really change the world. Those are a few of the reasons why I think it's so important to Jesus that we belong and not just to settle for attending. I want to give you just a, a few benefits of belonging. I'm not asking, you know, what's in it for me, but what's in it for me? <laughs> belonging will help me focus on God. See, we're, there is no such thing as an independent, lone ranger Christian. Unless you're on marooned on a desert island and you're the only person on that island, we're not intended to be by ourselves. See, we're, we're choosing to follow a master who swims upstream. And it's a lifelong commitment to swim against the current, to think different in ways that are often unpopular. And if you're going to hold to that commitment and not get swept along, you're going to have to keep your focus. I have found that I don't do that very well without you guys. I just don't. For me, real growth and consistency in my walk didn't happen until I committed to being a part of a small group. Until I decided to belong to a church instead of attending it. What are the benefits? It helps me keep my focus. Two, belonging will help me face life's problems. Anybody here doesn't have... Ten. <laughs> you know, Job 5.7 says that as surely as sparks fly upward, man is born for trouble. We all have trouble. We can't get out of it. Jesus even promised we would have trouble in this world, didn't He? He said, but don't have any fear. I've overcome the world. Belonging helps me face those problems. Debbie, did it help whenever you found out that, that you had cancer? Did belonging help? It helped, didn't it? I, could, I, could, I, I see so many faces and, and it's triggering so many stories of problems that you guys have faced successfully, even grown through those problems because you belonged. And I, I'd love to have time to call you each out, but I'm not going to do that. Number three, belonging will help me fortify my faith. Your faith will be assaulted. It was true in 1979. It was true, I, I didn't intend to make it a part of the sermon, but my, I'm wearing a, a sweatshirt of a Christian college I went to, Freed Hardeman University, down in Henderson, Tennessee. And my faith was assaulted there. That's another story. Uh, Harding grads, you guys don't have to deal with that faith assault. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Your faith is going to be assaulted. And there are people that are wanting to take a brick out at a time. How do you fortify your faith? By belonging. Because as quick as I got someone trying to snatch one away from me, I got one of you guys to help put it back. Right, Chuck? Yeah. Number four, belonging will help me find my place to make a difference. Belonging helps me find my place to make a difference. You were born on purpose with a purpose in mind, in God's mind. Nobody here is an accident. 
You were created on purpose for a purpose. The church grows and fulfills God's plan when each part does its work. Ephesians 4.16 So any of you guys that would self-identify as attenders this morning, we need you to belong. You were created to belong. And we will not function as well without you belonging. If you just attend, we're not going to function the way we could. The way that God intended for us to do. Like I said, God made you on purpose and He made you for a purpose. If you love Him, aren't you interested in fulfilling that purpose? I tried hard to run away from what I think God's purpose for me was. I mean, I did. I, I, my grandma said, Alan, make a preacher. I said, could I just be a song leader? God that way. That didn't work out too good. I became a police officer. That was a railroad headed for a cliff. That didn't work out so great. I don't know what I was so afraid of. I, I tried to do the corporate thing and work in, 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 biz, in the business world. I was climbing that, that ladder. But as my heart turned towards God, certain doors closed and I found myself in ministry. And look what I'm doing, what Grandma wanted me to do. Here I am. Yeah, I still get to do the song leading thing. But here I am. And God's got a purpose for me. And as pitiful as it is, it's better to know my purpose and to serve God what little I can than it ever was before. It's a benefit to know your purpose and to fulfill God's purpose for you. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up. What can I do to make sure I belong here? So at the bottom of your notes, I've got a couple of questions for you to ask yourself. And it's just a simple yes, no. Um, no, you don't get graded and you don't have to show anybody your answers if you don't want to, but just to kind of give you an idea, if you want to move away from attending into belonging, here's some questions to help you get started. First, ask yourself, have I surrendered my life to Jesus and been baptized? I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. Have you surrendered your life? And been baptized. By the way, these questions all come from that Acts 2 description that we looked at at the beginning. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? He's king. Am I still living in rebellion to him or am I letting him be king? Have I been baptized? Yes or no? Second, am I actively joining together with other believers? Yes or no? There are some people who claim yes to the first one and can't claim yes to the second one, and I'd ask them to go back and look at that surrendered part and make sure that they really believe they've surrendered their lives to Jesus. Am I actively joining together with other believers? Yes or no? Lastly, am I committed to helping others fulfill God's purposes? Yes or no? Am I, am I committed? The description of the church was a group of people who were committed to joining together, to belong. And not just for what I get for it, but to help somebody else. You want to move from attending into belonging, which is what Jesus wants you to do. And we just looked at all these good reasons and all these good benefits. Answer these questions. And uh, I'm, out of, I'm out of material here. We're going we're gonna to shut it down for right now. 
I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. But I'd ask you to maybe use this morning this your uh, response card that was in your notes. And let us know if there's some way that we can help you move any no's to a yes. Because we need you here. We need you not to just show up. We need you to belong. God wants you to belong. Let's, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for, for loving us, for calling us your own when we definitely don't deserve it. Father, for giving us a place to belong, a wonderful place that you've died for. Are we perfect? No, but you're, you're perfecting us. You're making us different. You're changing us from the inside out. Father, there is so much good and right that's being wasted when we satisfy ourselves or we're satisfied with just attending. Father, I pray that you'll move in the hearts of each one of us to no longer be okay with just attending church. But to answer this why church with I need to belong, for all the reasons we've looked at, Father, we love you. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will being done here on earth, just like it's being done in heaven. Father, we want to be a functioning temple for you, where people can come to find you and see your glory and your majesty. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.